just right. There's something about that feeling, isn't there? When something is just right. We all probably in this room know the story of Goldilocks, right? She goes into the three bears house. She tries the chairs. She tries the porridge. She tries the bed and she finds the one that is just right. You know when it's just right. For me, I know when a jacket's going to fit me just right because it doesn't pull on my broad shoulders. It feels just right. It hangs just right. The fabric's just right. Oh, it's good. Maybe you don't have a broad shoulder problem like I do, but there might be something that when you put it on, you know it is just right. Or maybe you have a friend in your life or a loved one, and when you are with them, you can say exactly what you think. It can be funny. It can be silly. It can be serious. It can be embarrassing. It can be whatever. You know that in the presence of this person, it just feels just right. Or maybe you're more like Goldilocks, and it's your bed. And man, it's just right. Don't fall asleep this morning. Stay awake stay awake. But we know, don't we? And today, I think what this text that we're going to be looking at together is a just right kind of message for us. It's just right for today and what we're trying to accomplish together as we're moving forward into this new chapter. And it's about how you and I are meant to be just right in the world for the sake of Christ. Hear what Jesus says as we continue in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read for you verses 13 through 17. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good works that you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Light and salt common elements, simple everyday things. We have experienced both light and salt today as we've begun this day together because our bodies have salt in them and we can see the lights all around us and maybe something that you ate had a little bit of salt in it and you turned the lights on in your home this morning. Light and salt, common, ordinary. We understand these things. And Jesus is always doing this. If you read the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus, you will see that over and over again, he takes what is familiar and he helps us to understand it differently, doesn't he? Before I get too far into salt and light, I want you to hear something that I think is particularly amazing about what Jesus says in these few verses that we've started with. In Jesus' sermon, he isn't just talking about how we can be or we might be. Or someday we will grow up to be. What does Jesus say about you and about me? He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light in this world. It's not future. It is right now. 
When you and I follow Jesus, when we are his disciples, like those that were listening on that day when he gave this great sermon on the mountain, we automatically have a new identity, a new role, a new vocation. We are partners with Jesus in God's kingdom. Can you believe that? Amen. We are partners with Jesus in God's kingdom, and we have a vital role to play. Jesus says it about you, and he says it about me. You are salt, and you are light, and I am salt, and I am light. This is our identity, according to our good God. But what do these ordinary things mean when we think of ourselves personally? And what does it have to do with where I started, this idea of being just right? Now, I can't help but think how important it is to have just the right amount of salt and just the right amount of light. We know, don't we? When the amount of salt is just right, and we know, don't we, when the light is just right. One thing you may not know about your new pastor, because I could tell you a lot of things, because I know him pretty well, <laughs> is that we call him the cookie king at our house. Dustin is the baker in our family most often, and I am the cook. And if you want to know a little bit about us, this would be a good way for you to understand our personalities. I think baking is too, like, why are you trying to boss me around with that recipe? I want to just kind of wing it. And you can't with baking, can you? But cooking, you can wing a lot of things and try a lot of things. And so, you know. But Dustin is the cookie king. When I start to bake something, a lot of times my sons would say things like, oh, mom, just let dad do it. Just let dad. <laughs> but you know, don't you, when you bite a cookie... You can have the butter, you can have the flour, you can have the sugar, maybe it's white sugar and brown sugar, vanilla, eggs, everything. But if you forget the salt, ugh, they're not very good, are they? You've got to have that salt in that mixture, which seems counterintuitive, doesn't it, right? Like this is a sweet dessert, but that salt, what does it do? It brings out the best flavors. It adds complexity and nuance. It adds health benefits if we eat it in moderation, and it makes those cookies just right. We've all had something with too much salt in it, haven't we? It ruins everything if you put too much salt in it. And it's not just what we eat, but we also know if you drink too much salt water, what will happen? You will eventually lose your mind and you will die. What happens if too much salt gets into the soil? The brackish water comes in from the ocean. It ruins and nothing can grow. We know what just the right amount of salt is like. And light is really the same. Don't look at the sun. It's going to hurt your eyes. Don't stay out in the sun too long. You're going to get burned. Too bright a light and everything looks stark and sterile and harsh. And not enough light and what? You can't find what it is that you're looking for. A bright spotlight might make you able to see me, but I wouldn't be able to see you. Headlights on a rainy night can make it almost impossible. We understand just the right amount of light too, don't we? I can remember when Dustin gave me my engagement ring, which I'll tell you that story because it's not this one. We can have that another time. It'll help you to understand what an understanding person he is. But I can remember when I first got that diamond ring and we had an auditorium at the college where we were and the lights in there, oh, that diamond sparkled like nothing you had ever seen. Now I don't have it, so. 
But when we were in seminary together, we worked at a light shop and we learned all about halogen bulbs. I don't know if anybody uses halogen bulbs anymore, but halogen bulbs do the most beautiful things to people's faces, to spaces. Everything has a different feeling when there's a halogen bulb in the space. The right amount of light changes everything. In a theater, the light helps to tell the story. In a museum, the right light helps you to appreciate the art. You with me this morning? The right amount, just the right amount of salt, just the right amount of light. And this is the reason that common items really can teach us, isn't it? Because we understand them. Salt and light aren't really that complex. They're something that we understand because we engage with them every single day of our lives. And so we can then think critically, if we understand this, what is it that Jesus wants us to know about how I'm salt and light and how you are salt and light? I think an important thing for us to pay attention to is that when we follow Jesus, we learn by God's grace to be just the right amount of seasoning and just the right amount of light in the world for the sake of Christ. The interesting thing about what Jesus is saying with the problem is that if we could lose our saltiness, he's not talking to us today about getting too salty, although I want to just remind you, don't get too salty because that can cause problems too. But Jesus says the salt can lose its saltiness. What does that mean for you and me if we're trying to understand what it is that Jesus is calling us to? Eugene Peterson, in his version of the scriptures, he calls it the God seasoning in the world. How would we lose our saltiness? Now, there's one main way for this to happen. Do you know what it is? Salt loses its saltiness when it's mixed with other things. Salt loses its saltiness when it gets mixed with other things. That's why the right amount enhances what you're eating. If you don't put in enough, all the rest of the ingredients will overpower and you won't get to taste what it is you want. And Jesus isn't talking about bread or soup, something that's good and balanced that we're going to put into our bodies. He's talking about your witness and my witness in this world. We must remember that as those who are followers of Christ, our allegiance is to Christ alone. It is to his kingdom and no other kingdom. No other allegiance can get mixed in if we're going to be the right amount of God seasoning in this world. You may have read like I have read and seen in your own life as I have seen in my own life that in our nation there is this rising Christian nationalism that's taking place. The danger of this for us in the church is that some people put Jesus and nation on the same plane like they have the same value in our lives, but they don't, do they, as followers of Christ? Jesus always takes supremacy. It may be that what you are seeing around you is that some people are saying, like, our country and God's kingdom, those are somehow the same. Can God's kingdom come in our country? Yes, but they are not the same, are they? Now, this doesn't mean that we don't celebrate our culture. It means that nothing rises above Jesus, though. This doesn't mean that we can't be patriotic and celebrate the things that are a part of our history and our nation. But what it must mean is that our celebration cannot be more important in our hearts and minds than following after our Heavenly Father, receiving the grace that comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That comes first. And it doesn't mean 
that we don't have political leanings. In a room like this, we have all sorts of different political leanings in this space. But what I want to encourage you in this time that we are living in is that we have to be careful. That we measure and we consider everything that we believe in the world around us based on what the scriptures teach us, based on what Christ is calling us to, because there is nothing that we want to mix with our witness that dilutes the God seasoning that comes through my life and your life. It's God first. It's God's kingdom first. It is Jesus and his way. Our education and our success and our bank account and our family can also be things that begin to get mixed up with our witness. And, and they might take precedence. We have to be careful. We don't want anything else to own the throne of our heart but Jesus Christ. He is on the throne of my heart. I hope he's on the throne of yours. And Jesus wants us to know, just like his original disciples, that our witness will be just right when we put him and his kingdom first. God forbid we lose our saltiness. God forbid we lose our witness. We are the salt of the earth. Remember, Jesus said that. We are the salt of the earth, bringing out the God flavors in this world. May you and I be the right amount of salt as we bring life and hope and grace and flourishing to everyone we meet. But Jesus isn't just worried about us getting mixed up in things. He's also worried about us covering up some things, isn't he? If you look at this in verse 16, you'll see that Jesus wants us to pay close attention to how we are light in the world as well. And he connects it to our doing of good works. Now this implies that you and I will be doing good works. We'll be doing something with this life that God has given us. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to be like drawing a lot of attention, like, hey, did you see this good work that I did? But what it means is that when I am truly filled with who Christ is and what the Holy Spirit's doing in me, and you are as well, we will naturally do good works in the world around us. It means we don't just believe things about what it means to be a Christian. We actually live out our faith. We don't just say the right answers in Sunday school class or small group. We actually live our faith in action. When what we do looks like loving our neighbor, caring for the least of these, meeting needs in the name of Jesus, seeing God's kingdom come, our light will be shining wherever we go. It looks like your life and my life, meeting people in their most broken places, as your church already is in so many ways, and being a blessing and shining light. And then you know what? Our lives will shine like the stars above, as the Apostle Paul wrote. Our light will shine. Now Jesus uses two different descriptions of light, the light in the house and the city on the hill. And I think it's important for us to remember that we each have a personal responsibility, don't we? Even if the person sitting next to us isn't allowing their light to shine, I need to let my light shine. I need to let God's work be in me and come through me. And that's a little bit like the light in the house, really. I can't shine my light everywhere because I'm just one person. You can't shine your light everywhere. You're just one person. It just shines in the sphere that you have influence on. That's that light that we might cover up if we're not careful. But when we're willing to let the light of Christ shine in us and 
We come together and we gather in worship and we gather in ministry in the world. Then my light isn't alone. It's not just small and fitting in where I am. It's our lights together. And that's the city on the hill, isn't it? All of our lights gathering together. Nobody can miss it when you and I are faithful to what Christ has called us to be. Being just the right amount of light. It will be like a city on a hill. And the people who are lost will be able to see it in their darkest places because we are shining together. Not just me, not just you, but us together. Those that are wandering and aren't so sure about what faith looks like will see us together and say, I wonder what this is all about. Together, with our differences, united by the love of God in Christ Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, something incredible happens. It's like a beautiful city shining on a hill. That's just right light. Just right. On this day of the beginning of a new chapter, I think this is a good word for us as a church, isn't it? It's the lectionary passage, so I didn't pick it. It's the one that your pastor assigned to me today. <laughs> and I obeyed. <laughs> but it's a good word as we're beginning this new relationship together. As you all come together with a new pastor in a way that I honestly couldn't have imagined a few months ago, we want the Lord's blessing, don't we? We want to understand what it is that we're meant to do as a church body in this time and in this place. We want to know what it means to be together on mission as we love God and we love neighbors together as we unite a new pastor with all of you, and all of you unite with him. We want to do this well. And for this to be just right, it's going to take some things for all of us to do together. I think what it will require is that we remember what it is that Jesus has said about who we are. You are, and we are, the salt of the earth. You are and we are the light in this world. And this is what we are actually here for. This is what we were created for. You and I must put Christ first. That's the way of discipleship. We need to listen to the words of Christ, study the scriptures, come together in times of prayer and learning. We need to serve together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to meet the needs of the people around us, and to remember it's not in our own efforts, but it's the grace of God at work in us. These are some things that are required for this to be true of who you will be and of who we will be. It's also going to require a little bit of tweaking here and there. I often ask myself, how did somebody come up with this recipe? Have you ever thought that as you're looking? Like, who thought, maybe if I crack this egg in this flour, that would be a good idea. Like, what in the world? It takes practice. It takes trial and error. It takes putting different things together and, and implementing it and saying, hmm, it's not quite right. It needs a little something else. And, and you keep working until you get the recipe just right. Isn't that the truth of baking, cooking? But it's true of our relationships together. 
There are going to be times where things feel just right. And you think, oh, this is it. This is what it means to be Christian together. This is what it means to be the church. And then there are going to be times where you say, something doesn't taste quite right. We're going to need to work on this a little bit more. We're going to have to figure out what's going on here. It's going to require some effort on everyone's behalf for you to come together, pastor and church and church and pastor. We're not on our own. We're going to have to work together. And thanks be to God that his grace is the ingredient that will help us if we allow him to help us. This is good and godly work. So don't get distracted by other things. Stay focused together on Christ. And things will be just right as you work together laboring for God's kingdom. It's true not just of a recipe, but it's also true of the light. So keep looking to the true light of the world, knowing that he's at work in you and he's at work through you. Keep working to do the things that need to be done in your community to shine light on the injustices that are all around us. Keep working for the sake of your neighbor who doesn't have as many benefits as you have. Keep laboring for the flourishing of all people, for this is what the kingdom of God is all about. Shining light, being light, bringing others into the light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Believe Jesus and allow his grace to help you to be the, just the right amount of salt and light. But that's not the end of our passage for today. After this wonderful, beautiful truth about who we are and what we're called to do, Jesus says some things that might cause you to have a little bit of fear and anxiety. After this encouraging reminder of what we're here for, Jesus goes on to say these words in verse 17. Don't even begin to think that I've come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor even the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whew. Yikes. It feels impossible to me when I read those words just as they're written on the page. My righteousness and your righteousness, greater than those who practice every jot and tittle of the law, who won't take too many steps on the Sabbath, who count the steps and count the laws and knew, know who has transgressed them. How can we ever do this? And Jesus isn't messing around. We can't say, well, a little nuance will help us to see he doesn't really mean this. I'd like it to be that way sometimes, but Jesus is serious. I have not come to do away with, he says. Whenever you come to a difficult part of scripture, it's important to keep the context in mind. And so let's just remember the context. Because Jesus will never ask us to do something that's impossible. Jesus will not contradict himself. And Jesus has just got done telling us who we are and what we're here for. 
And before that, as you heard last Sunday, he's reminded us what it means to be blessed in the kingdom of God and how it is that we are to be disciples. So what Jesus says here shouldn't cause us fear or concern or dismay. In fact, if we keep thinking of that just right kind of concept, I think we can see that there's a theme of it here too. Because some scholars say that the best way to wrap our minds around these few verses in Jesus' teaching is to come to read the word fulfill as fill full. When Jesus says, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets, what he's saying is I have come to fill them full. Without me, you did not fully understand what the righteousness of God was, but I'm here to fill in the blanks, to fill it full, to help you to understand what it really means to be who I am calling you to be. He hasn't come to beat us over the head with the law. Jesus isn't saying to us, oh, you'll never measure up. Jesus isn't trying to point out how flawed or how weak or how miserable we are. Jesus knows how to fill everything full. He knows how to give us the grace we need to live just right kind of lives. Our righteousness is not meant to be rigid, following every minute detail, making sure that we beat ourselves up when we don't measure up. No, the grace of God enables us to live just right in this world. And we must always remember that the law that Jesus came to bring is the law of love. Love God and love neighbor. He came to fill full the loving of God and loving of neighbor in your life and in mine. It's not about legalism or rule following or judgment or fear. It's about the love of God in Christ Jesus saving us, the power of the Holy Spirit transforming us, the fact that we are the adopted children of our Heavenly Father. This fills the law full. It completes what God has designed this world and our lives to be. It shows us how to live. It's just right too if we'll lean into God's grace. And so it's with this in mind that we're going to come together to the table of our Lord, and it is the Lord's table. He is the host here. We are the participants. We are the ones who receive. It is with the truth that we are salt and light, and that we have the grace of God to live into the law of love, that we receive these very common elements. Do you see Jesus doing it again? Bread and juice? We know about these things just like we know about salt and light. And just like salt and light are ordinary and understandable, so is bread and juice. But what we know as disciples of Jesus is that God is at work in ordinary things, making them extraordinary. God is at work in our ordinary lives, making them extraordinary. God is at work in what we are about to do, giving us grace so that we can receive what we need. This is a vital activity for us to engage in on a regular basis. But what a beautiful thing. On this day of installation of Pastor Dustin, to come to the table to remind ourselves that we need to receive grace. To come to the table to be reminded that we are not perfect, but we are invited to receive what we need to be salt and light and to live into the law of love. This morning, Dustin and I are going to serve all of you together and in just a moment, as the worship team comes back up, we're going to sing as you come to receive these elements. 
And I'm going to ask that you hold them, and we're going to receive them and partake of them together. So take it back to your seat after you've received it. But please remember, this is an open table. We are all hungry, wherever we are on our faith journey, for the grace that only comes through Christ. You're not going to be full after you eat this little meal, but you can receive all the grace that you need today as we remember what Christ has done for us. This table is open to you. And so when the time comes, I invite you to receive the grace of God. Let's pray together. God, we are humbled that your presence is here with us. And we're reminded that your presence was with us before we even showed up today. Because you are in all places, at work, at all times, and in all people, seeking to help us to be who you've created us to be. From little glimmers of grace that draw us closer to that overwhelming realization that you have saved us, you are sanctifying us, you are making us who you created us to be. Oh, what a gift your grace is. And what a blessing it is to know that there are so many people who have said so many things about who we are and what we're here for, but you say, no, listen to my voice. And Jesus, we thank you that you have said to us, you are these things. Would you give us the grace to live in the way that you've called us to be? And as we come to the table this morning, your table, Jesus, we ask that you would bless these humble elements that they would become a meal that sustains us in the days ahead, that we would receive your grace for the difficult things, that we would celebrate in the good things that your grace is, is lifting us up and guiding us along the way, that you would help us to have the grace we need not to be too salty, not to be mixed up in things that are not helping us to be who we're meant to be, that you would help us to go into the places that are dark and to be your light. Oh God, we need your grace to be your people. And so I pray for each person in this room. If there is sin that is separating us from you, would you give us the courage to confess it? Because your grace is waiting. Your grace is available. Your grace will cover all of our sins. And Lord Jesus, if there are people in the room that are like, I just want to go deeper. I want to know you more. I want to receive the grace at the table and, and love you even more than I do when I walked in this room. Oh God, take us deeper by your grace. Fill us fuller. Help us to live the law of love, not because of our own efforts, but because of your Holy Spirit at work in us. Take us deeper in our knowledge and our love and our actions for you, we pray. And Lord, unite us together. On this special day, I do pray that this new chapter of what you're doing here at Calvary will be one that will receive your blessing. That you would be at work in the hearts and lives of the people in this space and online and those that just aren't here today but are connected to this church. Oh God, to see your kingdom come. Give grace for this new chapter, we pray. We need it. We long for it. We want to receive it. And unite us Oh God, even in our differences, for we need each other's differences to be the true body of Christ, unite us and teach us to pray as you taught disciples to pray. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.